Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Right, let me pray. Father, tonight we open our hearts to receive your word. That every word and unction that is not from you fall, fall away and may only stay what is pure and from your word. And we welcome you in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the one that reveals to us the glories of Christ and the will of God and, and then empowers us to be obedient. You are welcome in this place. And everyone said, Amen. Of who say like Catherine? Amen. How many? Amen. <laughs> okay, guys, we are busy with a little bit of a sermon series called Crossing Over. Um, it's not the TV show where they speak to the dead, don't worry. This is much cooler and um, biblical. Um, just in short, what, what, what I feel is that God is speaking to us prophetically as a church, that He wants to move us, and what that means for each and every one, where your heart beats, where you live, in the situation where you find yourself, it might be slight bit different once you apply it to yourself, but as a whole, I believe that we are crossing over as a church, and also at, as individuals, what this speaks about is to trust God for great growth. All right. Last week we quickly spoke about Moses when he died. The scripture says he, uh, uh, who, who buried Moses? God buried him and no one knew where because the people would have stayed by his tomb and they would never move on uh, because he was a great leader. I mean, this man took a stick. Uh, he would strike a rock, water would come out. I mean, who amazing like that? Scripture says there was none like Moses. And then it says repeatedly, but Moses, my servant, is dead. And there was Joshua. And he had no tricks with the ocean, and he had no tricks with the rocks, and bread didn't fall from the sky when he was there. But it said that God chose him. God chose him, and he had the Spirit, had the Holy Spirit with him, Spirit of wisdom. And so the Israelites had to cross over in leadership, and they had to cross over the journey. And so for each one, they had to grow and also as a unit, there was a new season ahead. And, and for us, I don't know exactly all the answers. All I know is it's a time for growth. And tonight, we're going to move to the New Testament. And uh, the baseline of tonight is, um, how does Jesus help us individually to get into a place of spiritual victory, to cross over, or to transform? What does he do? What is the place of Christ in the life of each one of us? All right, and for us as a congregation. I want to read us the baseline scripture for tonight, and then we'll go from there. Crossing over, crossing over, that's what we're busy with. You need to grow, and I want to grow, and together as well. Now, we find ourselves in Matthew 3, where John the Baptist is baptizing people, and a lot of people are coming to him, and, and let's just read a few verses. And they were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming 
to his baptism, he said to them, you brought a vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Why was he mad at these people? This is what he says. He says, bear fruit keeping with repentance. Okay. We're going to come back to this on my scripture quite a lot tonight. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Jesus also came. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. Then John baptized him. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God ascending like a dove and coming to rest. On him. Right, that's that's our baseline story. Alright. Now tonight's sermon is not about baptism, alright, but baptism gives us the platform. So just hold on. If we go to the next slide, we, we get a situation where Jesus comes, then John first wants to refuse what's going to happen. He, he wants to be baptized by Christ. I mean, just before this happened, he said, there's one coming who is greater than I, and I'm not even worthy to loosen his sandal straps. That's what John says. Then comes Jesus, and Jesus wants John to baptize him. And for John, this doesn't make sense. So here's this conversation again. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. And this little section is what then changes John's mind and we need to figure out why because this has got a lot of application for us. Jesus answered him let it be so this is his words for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness and then John consented. I mean what did Jesus say there that caused John to have a change of heart um to snap, to, to get it that he must baptize Jesus. And that's what we're going to explore tonight. First, John does not want to baptize him. Jesus says, we must do it. Thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Now tonight, Mark Gusua, flex a big year. Okay, we're going to go around one mountain. Yes, Yanan. Okay, then we're going to go around the other mountain and just tell the person next to you, then we'll know why. Okay, so so the first mountain, we're going to go a little bit of academically for the scholars among us and then we're going to apply very hard, okay? The first mountain we are going around is the essence of baptism because we need to understand why did John not want to baptize Jesus? Once we figure that out, we will understand something more about this text. Now, it's going to be a little bit in the beginning like Bible school, a little bit academic, and then we're going to end devotionally. So if you like the application stuff, don't check out now. Okay? Stay with me. Let's discover the essence of baptism, and, and let's see where this leads us. So I've got a statement to make, and then we'll look at a few scripture. I'm going to be fast. The essence of baptism, I'll make a statement first, is that it is an outward sign of an inward reality. Which reality? Baptism is a sign of repentance from sin and faith in Christ. 
every time I drink of his water, I've got a lovely leaf in my mouth. It's nice. I once had chocolates in here. No joke. I think it was Nicoline. <laughs> then I left it for a week. And then the next week, it was perfect. That bar one, it's a... <laughs> okay. Follow me here. I just want you to see this pattern. And Peter said to them, Peter speaking to the people, a lot of them got saved. The verse just before it, it says the people were cut to the heart. They said, Peter, what must we do? He said, repent, repentance goes with baptism, and be baptized, each one of you. Can you see that connection? It's gone. Jesus says, make disciples. Disciple is someone who has left his life to follow Christ. Okay, it's implied. Make a disciple, baptizing them. You see the connection? What do you repent from? Sin, right? That was the reason for John starting to baptize. Just our main scripture again, check that out. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. What were they doing there? Confessing their sins. Baptism and the confession of sin goes together. But when he saw many of the Pharisees coming, they wanted to be baptized as well. He said, be fruit in keeping with repentance. You see these two things the whole time. Now, go to the next slide. The essence of baptism is that it shows the need for forgiveness and repentance from sins. Who agrees with me? Right? Who agrees with me? Baptism, repentance. Okay? Now, here's the irony. If we go to the next slide. Jesus had no sin. The perfect lamb. I can't go into that. The nature of Christ. No sin. Do you understand why for John it does not make sense that Jesus wants to be baptized? Because in essence, it, it, it is above the laws of baptism. He tells the Pharisees, be the fruit of a repentant heart. Christ comes here. He's not worthy to loosen the strap of his sandal. This man is perfect. Break John's books. So, <laughs> to go to the next slide, but Jesus answered, let it be so now, for thus is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. What we know is that this has got nothing to do with the fact that Jesus needs to be washed of his sins. Do you agree with me? So, so we're around this one mountain. Baptism is about repentance and forgiveness of sins, but Christ does not fit that. So what we know is the basic laws of baptism, does, there's, there's something here. We need, we need to find out more. So, so why? Are, are you with me? We're going to get to crossing over. We're going to go around another mountain. This mountain is called the essence of Jesus' ministry. Okay, check this out. We're going to look a little bit of a historical context there. Now, often Jesus, it was first John the Baptist, when he's described, he's described as this immense humble man. I mean, he wears clothes, camel hair clothes. I mean, I don't know if you're in fashion. That sounds weird, okay? And he lives in the wilderness of, of random food. I mean, He's not a leader that arrives 
in a Bentley. Okay? And we see the Pharisees despising him. Then we see Christ, the humble servant, we see the same pattern. Often when Jesus speaks about the leaders in this historical setting, what we see is that these leaders set themselves apart from the people. Check this out. Jesus says, They tie heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. He's speaking about the leaders. Okay, We're talking about the ministry of the Pharisees and the Sadducees versus Jesus' ministry. Don't, don't lose me. Okay, They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make, this is an amazing word, and Estelle will give me grief afterwards for my pronunciation, phylacteries. I knew that. Phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Check this out. A phylactery was a post-burst of your cop. Literally, these people carried prayers or scripture in a box on their head. Okay, so that they could take it out and read the scripture. Now, what they would do is, what Jesus is saying is, they make their phylacteries broad. So they make this box bigger so that people from far can see they've got a lot of scripture to read. What are these people trying to do, these leaders? They are better than you. That's the essence of their leadership. They are better than you. Look at all the scripture. No, my box is big because I'm reading a lot of scripture. And the fringes is long. Now on the fringes there would be prayers, prayer requests or prayer needs that they wanted to be reminded of. So they made their fringes long. So, hierdie manne het gelijks as vrouwe wat aankom vir die Alright? It is this thing hanging behind them, box on their head. I mean, they looked like complete monkeys. And this is to show the people that they are better. They're set apart. Okay, that's the historical background we're dealing with. Another example, check this out. They love the place of honor. Why? They are better than you. And the best seats in the synagogues, at the greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. Okay, rabbi means teacher. So um, some of you went to university and you've got, and every few professors you work with, or doctors, you've got this one, when you, when you accidentally say, hello um, meneer, say, this professor. Okay, who's experienced that? Okay, so, so these people, walked in the street, and they wanted you to say professor. Teacher. Why? They are better than you, and you must remember it. Okay? This is the historical background of the leadership the church had to deal with. Distinction. Here's another one. So Jesus, now we're starting to look at Jesus' ministry. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched a man with leprosy and the man was cleansed. Now, the difference is a leader, a Pharisee, would never touch the leper because he would become unclean. And he had to go through days of ritual cleaning to be clean again. Because he's different and better than the man with leprosy. Then comes Jesus, and what does he do? He touches the unclean, does not faze him. He gets, he has a banquet with a lot of sinners, tax collectors, 
And then the Pharisees come and says, how can you eat with the sinners? Because they are better. But Christ touches them. We're getting closer to our main point here. You all know the story about the Good Samaritan. A man walks, he gets injured. Next door, this is a parable, it's a story Jesus tells. Now just pick up the story here. If you don't know it, it's a story about a man that gets robbed and mugged and beaten and now he's left next to the road to die. And this is where the story picks up. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Why? He's better. To make it worse, Scripture says these people were traveling out of Jerusalem to Jericho. That means they are coming from what? Come from temple. <laughs> the temple was in Jerusalem. That's why they traveled. They're coming from church. They are coming from church, and there's a man, and they cross the road. A Levite, these are people that did functions also in the temple, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Maybe they didn't see him because they had a massive letterbox on his head. Okay? <laughs> Spiritual leaders of the time creates distance between themselves and those who've got leprosy, sickness, or in need. But a Samaritan... As he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The irony is that the Jews hate the Samaritans because they were half Israelites and half Gentiles. So they were referred to as half-breeds. So Jesus is offending the Pharisees by saying, and here comes a good man, a Samaritan. This is the irony of the story. Now, go to the next slide. Let's go back to this. John says no. Jesus says the following. He says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness, that I must be baptized. Afterward, John consented. We figured out Jesus did not have sin, Right? What Jesus is saying is for the righteousness of God to be fulfilled, to be complete. It has to be made clear that when God comes to earth, that I will not separate myself from sinners. That's what he's saying. I will not separate myself from sinners. And so as the sinners get baptized, Jesus shows. Listen, to be baptized back then was not an honor. Here the church celebrates you. It shows that you're a filthy person. And Jesus says, I'm getting in with them. I will identify with them and I will associate with the sinners. And so he gets baptized to show that he is not above in his heart. He walks without a box. He walks without a wedding dress. And he gets baptized with the people. For all righteousness to be fulfilled is that God came to be with man. 
and to engage them. Now this has immense implication for you and I when we talk about crossing over. I want to read a few things from my notes. What Jesus is saying, listen up, a lot of you guys, all of us actually should be broken by our sin, but some of us carry a lot of shame. Let me, let me tell you something that you need to know. When Jesus gets baptized, he says to the people, what's happening here, what's happening here is right. There is sin and you must repent. This is the right way. This is the right way. I'm getting baptized with you. What he is saying is your sin is a reality and your sin is a problem and you do need to get saved and you do have real challenges in your life. But here is the key. In the dark hole you find yourself, maybe Literally, maybe in your mind, maybe emotionally, in the ditch, in the slump. Wherever you find yourself, maybe sin got you there, all right? God is calling you to cross over. For you, it's difficult. Does God still love me? Does he still want to be with me? Does he still care with me? What Jesus is saying, yes, your sin is a reality, but I'm getting in with you in the ditch. I'm coming close. I'm getting down. I'm going to get hold of you and we're going to get out of this place together. I'm not going to walk to the other side of the road and shout, be blessed. I'm going to be there. I'm going to pick you up on the animal and I'm going to take you to a safe place. You have got sin and it's a problem. Let me walk with you. That the righteousness of God may be complete when Christ comes to be with sinners. The opposite. Does that make sense? So let me just say this. And I'm honest when I say this. When, when the Pharisees and people like me who stand in front with microphones... And maybe you look up to your small group. When guys like us get it wrong, and it happens a lot, he does not get it wrong. So, so maybe I'm on another planet. Maybe my mind's at another place, but he's with you in the ditch. He is faithful at all times. Does that make sense? So, take heart. Wherever you are at. It must be so, John. I must be baptized. And I want to say this to some people. That Jesus did not come to reject. He came to connect. That you may be transformed. Amen. He is here, I'm closing, to help you cross over. And he's here to help us cross over as a church. As a church. What it means for you is take heart. Okay. What it means for us is, 
if Christ got in the ditch, what are we to do? Get in. Get in there with another person. Because the truth is you're actually both in the ditch already. Let us love like this. We want to cross over. We want to grow at this time. Know this. It's a time to take heart. Christ came to identify with sinners, to touch them and allow them to touch him. We don't serve a God that's far. We serve a God that's near. Now, don't forget this. You are called to change, all right? That's hard enough. I'm not saying God wants to come and camp next to me in my sin and leave me there. That would make him a bad God. He wants me to grow. What he's saying is he will walk with me. Let us be that for one another as well. Amen? And I just felt to read this tonight. Uh, let, let's stand up tonight and, and finish off. we can go to that next slide um, Chris thank you so much I, I want you to read this with new eyes okay I want you to read this with new eyes for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn but in order that the world might be saved. And as we look at scripture, it is strongly implied that he saves by touching. Amen? He saves by relating. He saves and he forgives. And so the woman is caught in adultery. She's caught in adultery. Okay? She's taken into a public place. And all the leaders pushes her away and Christ says not I go and sin no more so often we get offended with God when people do what the Pharisees did to that woman whereas sometimes God needs to push myself and other people out of a way to come to you to tell you I'm here to touch you and stand next to you and I think it's part of crossing over for us to follow in his footsteps. Be patient with me. Be patient with one another. But let's move. Amen. Let's cross over. Let's, let's be unique. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are alive. We thank you that we are still alive and have these moments to, to grab onto you, to hold onto you. And, and many of us maybe believe here that hope is over and I, I will settle for third or fourth or fifth. Where 
God says, I'm not done with you. I'm getting in the water with you. I want to associate with you. I know how you feel. I want to engage. I will not push you away. I will not reject. I will connect only. Follow me. Repent of your sins. It makes you feel light, amen.